Please hello and welcome to Listen, I Made a Hat. I'm your host, Sheila O'Neill, and in this episode we'll be discussing Stephen Sondheim's Broadway debut, West Side Story. Sondheim's involvement in the project started when he and Arthur Lawrence were at the same opening night party. The two were friends and they got to talking about the projects they were working on. Lawrence brought up a show he was writing the book for, a modern-day Romeo and Juliet musical with music by Leonard Bernstein. Compton and Green were supposed to do the lyrics, but they were entangled in a movie contract and not sure if they were available. Sondheim started talking about how his current project, Saturday Night, wasn't going to be produced, at which point Lawrence smote his forehead and said, I never thought of you. Lawrence had loved Sondheim's lyrics for Saturday Night and promised to get him an audition with Bernstein. At the audition, Sondheim played songs from Saturday Night. Bernstein was looking for something with more poetic lyrics. Sondheim had some songs in a more poetic vein from the shows he had written in school, but he didn't bring them up. They were from a time when he was younger and trying to imitate Oscar Hammerstein, and he was past that now. Besides, while he wanted to be asked to do the project, he didn't really want to accept. Sondheim had always seen himself as a composer and didn't like the idea of writing just lyrics. So he talked to Oscar Hammerstein about it. Hammerstein told him that the job would be an excellent opportunity to work with some of the greatest men in the theater, Bernstein, Lawrence, director Jerome Robbins, and that he should take the job if it was offered. He could always write music later. With this advice in mind, when Sondheim was offered the job, he signed on. For those of you unfamiliar with West Side Story, it's essentially the story of Romeo and Juliet taking place on the streets of 1950s New York City, with rival street gangs instead of noble families. The Jets are white and the Sharks are Puerto Rican. At a dance, Tony, the best friend of Riff, leader of the Jets, and Maria, the sister of Bernardo, the leader of the Sharks, fall in love at first sight. The two gangs are gearing up for a rumble, and Tony tries to stop the fight, but knives are pulled out, and Bernardo stabs Riff, which causes Tony to stab Bernardo. Tony and Maria still want to run away together, but Maria is delayed by a police investigation, and Tony is told that she is dead. Tony runs into the streets to find Chino, who is looking for him with a gun, and just as he finds Maria, he is shot. Tony dies in Maria's arms, and an angry, heartbroken Maria reprimands both gangs for their hate. A Broadway musical filled with so much blood and violence was shocking for the time, but what was really new about West Side Story was the way in which the story was told. The show uses many concepts introduced in the Rodgers and Hammerstein revolution of musical theater, taking them another step forward. The idea of a book musical where songs are part of the story rather than an interruption from it began with musicals like Showboat in Oklahoma, and was going strong by the time of West Side Story. But what was rarely integrated into the plot was dance. The dream ballet in Oklahoma planted the seed, but Jerome Robbins' choreography for West Side made dance an extremely important element of the plot of the show. The gangs threaten with dance, the lovers meet with dance, and the deadly fight is fought with dance. The dancing itself has such a force behind it and plays with the energy of Bernstein's music to create something truly exciting something that Broadway had never seen before. Of course, the integration of book, song, and dance is made possible through collaboration. Before West Side Story, Sondheim had worked collaboratively on only three shows. Two of them were unprofessional musicals written with friends at school, and the third, Saturday Night, wasn't a very involved collaboration, as the play to be musicalized had already been written, and communication with the librettist mainly happened over the phone. West Side was a whole different story. Not only was it his first time writing lyrics for someone else's music, but Sondheim was working very closely with talented, respected collaborators, and, as the youngest, he had a lot to learn from them. Leonard Bernstein taught him that it's okay to break the mold of theater music. At the time, most show tunes were very similar in structure, 
but Bernstein wasn't afraid to leave that structure behind completely when it didn't suit him. He also taught Sondheim that big risks are worth taking. Arthur Lawrence taught Sondheim the importance of a musical's book. Many critics are quick to blame the book for a musical's shortcomings, but often it is the reason behind a show's strengths. A librettist isn't just someone who fills time between songs. A librettist is a playwright. Jerry Robbins taught Sondheim a lesson when it came time to stage Maria. Robbins was staging the scene, and he asked Sondheim what Tony was supposed to do during the song. Sondheim replied that Tony was just singing about a girl he met. But that didn't answer Robbins' question. After a few more moments of frustrated discussion, Robbins reached the end of his rope. You stage it, he shouted. From then on, Sondheim has always written his songs with some sort of staging in mind. The director can take or leave the ideas, but it's never a character just standing there and singing. Above all these lessons, Sondheim learned that collaboration itself is an important part of his working process. Creativity thrives in a collaborative environment, where you always have someone to go to when you're stuck, and you always have someone to challenge your ideas when they're not the best they can be. Sondheim's musicals over the years are not the work of one man, as he himself is quick to point out. They are the result of a great amount of collaborative effort, and they are all the better for it. But what all of the creative minds of West Side Story lacked was any actual experience with the subject matter. These four upper-class white men didn't quite have experience with life in a gang on the West Side. The only bit of research done into making the show more authentic was Jerome Robbins going to see a gang dance. He came back very excited about one particular thing he saw. The girls gave the boys roses, and the boys put those roses in the cuffs of their pants for the dance. Robbins thought it would make a wonderful stage picture. Then came the dress rehearsal. Several flying roses and one giant mess later, the one authentic piece of West Side Story was cut. Arthur Lawrence used some real slang in the script and made the rest up himself. This reluctance to lean on slang makes sense, and Sondheim matched it in the lyrics, because slang expires quickly, and so they stuck to terms that they thought would have long-term social currency, like cool. Did these techniques work? Or is West Side Story now dated? Both the material and the theatrical techniques that were so fresh and shocking in 1957 have become integrated into the theater to the point where they are now commonplace. Cool may have stuck around, but Daddy-O and others are long dead. And in a 2004 review of the film, Roger Ebert points out that, quote, the street gangs at war seem touchingly innocent compared to contemporary reality, unquote. And yet the show is still performed by theater companies all over the country, and indeed the world, the cast album can be found in several translations, from Italian to Dutch. This is likely because the quality of the drama and the score is enough to make up for the elements of the show that haven't aged as well. The slang may be tame, but the music is timeless, and so the show survives. Although, if Sondheim had gotten his way, the language would have been even more scandalous for the time. The original draft of G. Officer Krupke ends with a big choral F-bomb. Curse words had just started to find their way into Broadway plays, and Sondheim wanted to catch musical theater up to speed. The producers, on the other hand, were not on board. It turned out that if they had the obscenity on the cast album, they wouldn't be allowed to sell the album across state lines due to profanity laws. After learning this, it was Bernstein who suggested Krupp you as a substitute. In hindsight, Sondheim agrees that Krupp You is a better joke that suits the tone of the show. The day they were in the studio recording the album, Sondheim found out that another word in G. Officer Krupke was too dirty for the record. Schmuck. Sondheim hadn't been aware that the word was obscene, so he was unprepared and had only an hour to figure out how to replace schmuck, along with the line that rhymes with it, earn a buck. He arrived at earn some dough and be a schmo. 
But with more time to think about it before the movie, he changed the line yet again to get a job and be a slob. Other obscene words and phrases are hinted at with more innocent substitutes, such as mother love and street and when the spit hits the fan. But even these were too dirty when it came time to make the film. With the strict censorship of Hollywood at the time, these obvious suggestions that specific profanities needed to be replaced with even cleaner lines. And Riff and Tony's promise of sperm to worm became birth to earth. Even Anita's line, don't matter if he's tired as long as he's hot, needed to be changed to as long as he's here for the film. She sings it sitting on a bed, putting on stockings in a red-tinted light, but lord forbid she call her lover hot. The casting of Maria can also be considered a form of censorship, as she is portrayed by a white actress in both the original Broadway cast and the film. A white boy and a Puerto Rican girl can fall in love in theory, sure, but a white actor kissing a Puerto Rican actress would have been quite the controversy at the time. All censorship aside, the film version of West Side Story was certainly successful. It won 10 Oscars, including Best Picture, and its success launched West Side Story's popularity. People often think that West Side was an instant classic, but as Sondheim points out, the show was often criticized for its unhummable tunes before the film came along. When George Abbott was asked to work on West Side, he turned it down on the grounds that there was too much Stravinsky in the score. Sondheim would recall this criticism years later and work it into the lyrics of Merrily We Roll Along. In the four years after the show opened, only two covers of West Side Story songs were recorded. And then came the film publicity, where songs were plugged on the radio and brought to the screen. Suddenly, everyone could hum them, because people will hum what is familiar. This explains why a show like The Phantom of the Opera, which seems to have approximately four unique tunes total repeating endlessly throughout the show, can be hummed after just one viewing, while audiences needed more of a push to get Maria stuck in their heads. Most of the changes between the show and the film have to do with plot structure and staging. The individual song that is most different in the film is America. On stage, the number is sung entirely by the girls. On screen, the boys take the part of the opposition. This boys versus girls dynamic was actually the way the lyric was originally written. Robbins had Sondheim change it because he wanted a, quote, full-out all-female dance number, unquote, in the show. For the film, the number was a chance to develop Anita and Bernardo's relationship a bit. The other change to the lyric is the removal of all references to leaving New York and returning to San Juan. Bernardo doesn't want to go back to Puerto Rico. He wants America to accept Puerto Ricans as American. In a letter to Sondheim, Saul Chaplin, one of the film's producers, explains that Bernardo wanting to leave America, quote, complicates the premise and gives him a whole new character dimension we would like to avoid, unquote. The film has received praise over the years from critics and audiences alike. One New York Times reviewer went so far as to call it nothing short of a cinema masterpiece. But one man has never been quite happy with it and feels that things which were magical on stage look foolish on the screen. This man may, in fact, be one of the harshest critics West Side Story has, Mr. Stephen J. Sondheim. Looking back on his lyrics for the show, Sondheim has many regrets. This remorse mostly stems from the fact that he was a young lyricist working among great professionals, particularly Bernstein, a living legend at the time, and someone who Sondheim had admired ever since he heard On the Town at age 14. The pressure of working with such talent made Sondheim somewhat insecure and eager to please Bernstein, despite the fact that the two men had very different ideas of what the lyrics for the show should be. Sondheim felt that the kids should have a conversational feel to their words, while Bernstein had more poetic imagery in mind. This is evident in the difference between Sondheim's lyric for I Have a Love, with phrases like, right or wrong, what else can I do, and Bernstein's early version of the same song, which refers to Maria's love as the harvest of her years. 
Trying to match Bernstein's poetic ideal, Sondheim wrote lines that make him squirm in retrospect, like, Today the world was just an address, and Say it's soft and it's almost like praying. The songs he still enjoys were written later in the process, when he felt comfortable enough to stand up for his lyrical choices. Songs like Jet Song and Something's Coming, which use metaphors about boxing and baseball rather than more flowery, ethereal imagery. I Feel Pretty is a song that Sondheim regrets for different reasons. After writing so many songs with simple rhymes, he used I Feel Pretty as an opportunity to show off. He knew that the sophisticated language of the song didn't fit with how Maria and her friends expressed themselves in the rest of the show, but thought that no one would notice anything but the cleverness of the lyric. But during an out-of-town show, fellow lyricist Sheldon Harnick was in the audience. And he did notice. After talking with Harnick, Sondheim rewrote the lyric to fix the problem, but his collaborators didn't want the song changed, and so it remains, excessive cleverness intact. Conversely, the song Miller's Son from A Little Night Music is one of Sondheim's favorites of his work. Miller's Son also has an uneducated character expressing herself through a powerhouse of inner rhyming, but in this case, the song's cleverness has a purpose, to give it force and inner speed. With I Feel Pretty, the cleverness is merely there for its own sake, drawing attention to the author, not the character. Of course, Sondheim's regrets about West Side Story are dimmed by the benefits. For one thing, the show was a financial success, and the money Sondheim made from West Side meant he didn't have to go back to writing for TV, and could continue looking for work on Broadway. Still, he had a chance to make even more money from the show. At one point in the out-of-town run, when Bernstein was still credited as co-lyricist, he offered to give Sondheim the sole lyric credit he deserved. But when Bernstein offered to adjust the royalties as well, Sondheim waved it off and said that it didn't matter, not really expecting the show to be a hit anyway. Well, hindsight is twenty-twenty. Money aside, the show was also Sondheim's first time working with Harold Prince, who took over as producer when Cheryl Crawford dropped the project. Sondheim and Prince would go on to take Broadway by storm in the 70s with a series of revolutionary new musicals. And on top of all that, working on West Side Story got Stephen Sondheim's name up on a Broadway marquee for the first time. On the marquee under Lyricist, though, which was not ideal. Sondheim was not a fan of writing just the lyrics, not only because he finds writing music, quote, about three times as much fun, unquote, but because he didn't want the show to peg him as a lyricist for the rest of his career. Unfortunately, to an extent, these fears came true. He worked on two other shows as a lyricist only, and many critics over the years have categorized Sondheim as a lyricist foolishly trying to be a composer, despite the complexity and quality of his scores. Sondheim did, however, make a small contribution to the music of West Side Story. Something's Coming was added to the score in order to get the audience really interested in Tony as a character. Sondheim suggested that the number be a 2-4, like Harold Arlen's Get Happy. Forget your troubles, come on, get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment. Bernstein wasn't particularly familiar with the song type, so after he wrote the tune, Sondheim played with the rhythm and tempo, turning it into a 2-4. Could it be? Yes, it could. Something's coming, something good. If I can wait. Aside from that, Sondheim's only influence on the score was convincing Bernstein to add some extra quarter notes to One Hand, One Heart. The original lyric of the song was, One hand, one heart, your hand, my heart, which didn't give a lyricist a lot to work with. At the time, Sondheim teasingly wrote, One word, one bar, my word, your bar. The opening number of the show went through several changes before it was finalized. 
At first, the number involved the Jets in a clubhouse taking an imaginary trip to the moon. But Robbins thought he could introduce the gangs better with dance, and so the song was scrapped in favor of the prologue. A lot of music from the clubhouse sequence was kept, and I have personally found that once you listen to the original lyrics, you will never again find the prologue quite so menacing. Once the prologue was established, a song needed to be added to follow it up. The first attempt was a song called Mix, which Bernstein liked, but the creative team as a whole didn't find quite right. Mix! Make a mess of them. Pay the Puerto Ricans back. Make a mess of them. If you let us take a crack, there'll be less of them. There'll be less of them. And so it was replaced with Jet Song. When some of the production collaborators felt that Jet Song wasn't menacing enough, it too was replaced with a number called This Turf Is Ours. That number turned out to be too menacing, and so Jet Song was restored. Another song that was cut from the show was a number for three minor members of the Jets, Baby John, Arab, and Anybody's, called Like Everybody Else. In the number, the characters bemoan the fact that they are unable to be, respectively, old, tall, and male like everybody else. Shrimps ain't good for anything. Watching parades or the movies or anything. No good for nothing but crawling and stalling around. Stalling and is a good song, but during rehearsal, Arthur Lawrence suggested that it be cut because he felt it tipped the show into musical comedy. Bernstein agreed, and Sondheim was persuaded. Robbins was upset, but outvoted, and so the number was cut. This was another lesson that would prove important to Sondheim's career. Just because a song is good doesn't mean it's the right song. Sometimes you have to kill your darlings for the good of a show. Sondheim also learned from songs that did stay in the show. The love songs were difficult to write because Sondheim had very little character to work with. Sondheim once said that, quote, West Side does not deal with character. Character is the thing that interests me in the theater, unquote. And indeed, the characters in West Side Story are largely one-dimensional, especially Tony and Maria, who are essentially star-crossed lovers, period. End of character description. Because of this, quote, a song like Tonight really expresses nothing except a lot of pretty words put together, unquote. And when Tony meets Maria for the first time, he leaves the encounter knowing little about her. What he does know is her name. And so Maria was written. The song is best when it's simple, something Sondheim learned from Oscar Hammerstein. Great lyrics don't always read well when separated from music. Lines like, oh, what a beautiful morning, oh, what a beautiful day, and Maria, I just kissed a girl named Maria, seem almost foolishly simple on paper. But when set to the right music, they soar. In Somewhere, setting the lyrics to the music was especially challenging because of the melody Bernstein had written. The second note of the song soars with rapturous importance. What word is worthy of such a note? Sondheim never solved this problem, and the word A is what sits on that note, out of place and drawing unnecessary attention to itself. Once 
Once Sondheim was writing his own music, such issues were more easily solved. The quintet before the rumble brought up the difficulty of dealing with an ensemble. Sondheim disliked the convention of groupthink that so often shapes ensemble numbers, since it is rare for any two people in a crowd to be having the exact same thought. Later, in shows like Sweeney Todd, he would solve this issue by overlapping the thoughts of individuals rather than having them sing in unison. With the West Side Quintet, Sondheim uses lyrics so general that they make sense as the thoughts of any of the gang members. The placement of songs is also important. Quintet was originally meant to take place before One Hand, One Heart, since it made less sense for Tony to go along with the plans for the rumble once he had symbolically married Maria. It was Jerry Robbins who insisted that the order be switched. After seeing it Robin's way, his fellow collaborators agreed that it made the show flow better. In this instance, logical truth was different from theatrical truth. And both are different from cinematic truth. On stage, I Feel Pretty appears at the top of Act 2, separated from the Act 1 tragedy by an intermission. But on screen, it would be out of place to put I Feel Pretty right after the deadly rumble, and so the song is moved to an earlier place in the plot. Cool and G. Officer Krupke are switched in the film. This is something that Sondheim suggested during the original run of the show, since the vaudeville comedy of Officer Krupke doesn't make as much sense as cool for a group of boys who just witnessed two murders. The switch was tried on stage, but because of the way the sets worked, it was impossible. And anyway, Sondheim's collaborators felt that comedy in the midst of drama makes both elements more powerful. But Sondheim got his way in the film. Whether the switch is for better or worse is something that Sondheim himself is unsure of. West Side Story may not be the show Sondheim is most proud of, but it's certainly an excellent musical. Dated or not, it continues to be revived and loved by many. And whatever regrets Sondheim may have about the show, West Side Story got his name on the Great White Way and led to the many opportunities that followed. Thank you for listening. This has been Listen, I Made a Hat. To learn more, go to listenimadeahat.com. I'm Sheila O'Neill, and you can find out more about me at sheilaoneill.com. Join us on December 15th when we'll be discussing the influence of Oscar Hammerstein on Sondheim's life and work. And the quote of the day is, Hold my hand and we're halfway there. Hold my hand and I'll take you there. Someday. Somehow. Somewhere.